Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And when we think about mothers and women in the Bible, there's some incredible women in the Bible. Women like Deborah, who just achieved greatness as a judge. Women like Esther, who kind of had greatness forced upon her, but then God used her to rescue Israel. And when we look at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, a genealogy that normally would like pass down from man to man to man to man, it mentions Tamar and Rahab and Ruth. Bathsheba, Mary. And when you think about all those incredible stories, there's Sarah, the wife of Abraham, Rebecca, the mother of Isaac and Jacob, Moses' mother, who went to great lengths to make sure that he was taken care of. There's Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, Mary's cousin. And when you think about all of these, you think about some incredible women, but you also see difficult times. Because often difficult times is when you notice how incredible a mother or a woman is. You know, when you look at tough times, you see all of what's really going on. And so that's why I want to dive into the story of Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Now, when I was praying about this message and really asking God what he wanted, he was kind of pointing me this direction, and I had some questions about it. I was like, really, this story? So let me share a lot of this story with you. And as I share that story with you, we'll talk about some of those hesitancies I had and then some of the things that Hannah teaches us all. So it starts off with Elkanah. And he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty. Whenever the day came for the sacrifice, Elkanah would give portions of the meat to his wife, but he would give double portions to Hannah because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Now, Elkanah would try to comfort her, but he wasn't very good at it. He would try to, to say things. He even said stuff like, 
Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Wasn't helpful. But once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. So as we start looking and pulling that apart, The part that I was questioning was like, Lord, I'm going to start off the Mother's Day sermon with this passage that says, the Lord closed her womb. I was like, really? But then I looked into that a little bit more. And one of the interesting things about that is that takes us back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And some of the things that that says is, therefore, Take care to follow the commands, the decrees, and laws I give you. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you. And it talks about that covenant, that he will bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb. None of your men or women will be childless. So it's a nice little if-then kind of thing that God says. If you do what? Follow the commands, the decrees, and the laws. Then the blessing is you will be fruitful and have children. So when it's saying that the Lord closed her womb, what it's talking about is that when Israel didn't follow this, then barrenness was a big thing. So it's not like Lord was looking at it and saying, oh, no, not this one, not this one, not that one. It wasn't that kind of a thing. But it was one of those things where, as a people, Israel weren't following him. And that comes up later in the story as well. But it's important to kind of remember that this was in a time where, for women, they, their honor and what they were known by was their children and the amount of sons that they could provide. 
And because of this, there were kind of uh, an interesting dynamic when it says he had two wives. Now, kind of an odd thing, but when you look at biblical times, there, there were usually two reasons during this time period that someone would have two wives. One is if a woman's husband died, it was the job of one of the brothers to bring her into the house and make her his wife and take care of her. So that was one of the two ways. The other way was that if a woman was barren, then actually a man could divorce her or he could have another wife so that they, he would able to be able to keep the lineage going. Now, it's not something we do now. It's just something that was happening at that time. But it created a lot of issues at the time, as you can imagine. And then it says, Hannah's rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. So what happened is, there's this fight that gets caused because the second wife was brought in that could have children, but Elkanah loved his wife and favored her and gave her kind of extras. He gave her the double portion. Um, he loved her. He didn't divorce her and get rid of her. So there was this conflict. And in that conflict is where we see Hannah. Miserable. In two different sections, it talks about this happening year after year. So this isn't just an event that was upsetting for Hannah. This was years. Some of the biblical traditions say it was even as much as 19 years. So then you're looking at decades of a struggle for Hannah. And it says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. That's a long time to, number one, put up with that kind of tension in the home. A very long time. Was also a very long time to keep turning to the Lord. So one of the things that as a counselor, I deal with grief a lot. And when you're dealing with grief, there's a lot of things that happen in grief. But over time, grief gets less. Grief 19 years after someone dies is less than it was the first couple of years after someone dies. But for Hannah, that wasn't the case. Because she was grieving this and it was getting stirred up in her family every year. But she continued to, as the song we sang this morning, she continues to run to the Father. She continues to take it to God and continues to bring it year after year after year. It kind of reminds me of the parable that David talked about a few weeks ago when he was here sharing 
of the, the woman who kept going back before the judge and kept going back before the judge and kept going back and that was rewarded. This is similar to that. Hannah kept every year taking this back to the Lord and she didn't change who she was. She stayed faithful. And then it says, Hannah made a vow to God. Now, Hannah's vow was, Lord, remember me. Bless me with a son, and I will give that son to you. Right? So this isn't instructing us to go bargain with God. It's not saying, let's make a deal, Lord. That's not what's going on. This was actually a common practice in the Old Testament. And she asked the Lord to supply and meet her greatest need. That's what this was about. But it really showed that she believed God was big enough to do this. And that if this happened, it really would be God's blessing. Now, this wasn't an empty promise. Hannah followed through with this promise. Unlike a lot of the times that we try to bargain with God, right? We do those little bell me out prayers. Like, oh Lord, I can't believe I just did that. If only you'll fix this for me this time, either I'll never do it again or I'll do something for you. This little kind of trying to get around God's consequences for us. You know, that's different than this. This was... In the depths of her heart, she believed in a God big enough to take care of her problem that she struggled with for decades. And then it says, Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. What a neat picture. The Bible talks a lot about spontaneous prayers. But this is one of the few places and one of the earliest places that it really talks about just praying out of your heart. And it really kind of highlights the intimacy of connecting with God when you give him the things that hurt you the most. When we pray to God, it's our connection to him. And when we give him a connection to the things that are deepest in our heart, it builds our intimacy with him. When we do that, Satan doesn't like it at all, right? He doesn't want us to have that intimacy. He wants us to turn. He wants us to find other ways to make things happen instead of turning and trusting to God. But Hannah gives us this beautiful picture of what God wants from us. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, verse 17 says, pray continually. Well, we've got this beautiful picture of Hannah praying. She's praying this prayer over and over again. But it's interesting what's around that verse. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So when we think about that, and we think about Hannah, she's praying continuously, but the rejoicing, in a minute we're going to see how much she is rejoicing, that was there. Giving thanks in all circumstances, she never turned her back on God. She kept turning to him and kept trusting in him. That's something that we definitely need to learn from. How many times do we real fervently pray for something and then the longer it takes, the less we pray? And then... We even question, wow, is this something that God would want for me? Or is this something that I really need to do? Or where's my blessing in this? Am I doing something wrong? Is there something that I need to, to do differently? And then we go back into this bargaining with God. Well, Lord, if I just do this, maybe I'll do that. But not Hannah. As we move on further, Eli the priest. Now, it's important to remember that things were not going well for the priesthood. And Eli's sons actually aren't good at what they're doing at all. And so much so that they both die because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But Eli comes and he accuses her of being drunk. Like, oh my goodness, you're drunk. When are you going to give up the wine? Hannah's response, though, I'm not drunk. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled, pouring out my soul to the Lord. So when you see this picture, sometimes when we pour out our deepest struggles to the Lord, we look like we're falling apart. There's nothing wrong with that. God doesn't say you have to struggle and you have to hold it all together and you have to look perfect. He says, come dump it at my feet. When I look back at times of struggle in my family, We've had a lot of them. We've dealt with kids with mental illness. We've dealt with all kinds of things. Kids with mental illness leads to fights with insurance, and insurance doesn't care. Did you know that you can get on a list where the insurance will never pick up your phone call? I know I'm, I'm on that list with our insurance. But it's one of those things that when you're fighting and you're struggling and you just see no end, I remember breaking down. And what God led me to do was to sing and pray the things that I knew were true even when I didn't feel them. 
really neat that we sang the goodness of God song. That was one of the ones that was one of the ones that I would lift up to God. There was a chunk of time when we were struggling as a family, and I couldn't sing that song without crying. If you don't believe me, ask Jacob. He often said, why do you just cry when we go to church? But what it is, is when you take something that hurts and is broken and you give it to God, sometimes it breaks you before God. Hannah gives us a picture of that and says, that's what God wants. That's what God wants. The next part says, I've been praying here out of my anguish and grief. Anguish and grief. No wonder Hannah was like really struggling. A whole lot of feelings come with anguish and grief, right? Sadness, confusion, questioning everything around you, anger, sometimes even accusations against God. All of those things pour into this kinds of feeling. And God says, give them to me. And then Eli's response is very interesting. He says, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. You're probably sitting there thinking, wait, why is that very interesting? Well, let's dig into it for a second. That's when it gets interesting. Because Eli was in a difficult place as a priest. Things weren't going well. And in chapter 3, it says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Well, that makes it really tough to be a priest, right? All of a sudden, he's saying, hmm, we're not hearing from God very much. So then he's got this woman who just says, I'm grieving and there's a very interesting translation issue. Because he didn't have a promise to give Hannah. He couldn't say, go and God will heal you. Go and this will happen. He didn't have that. And even in the word that he used, it can be translated two ways. It can be translated, may God do this. And it can be translated, God will do this. And so a lot of people are like, well, he probably meant the may, and Hannah probably took the, yeah, he will, right? But, yeah, Hannah took the, God is going to do this. Because she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Wow. So... No matter what he said, no matter how he meant it, she walked away with her faith in God and this new hope, this renewed hope shows up in her prayer a little bit later in the next chapter of Samuel. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord, in the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. 
There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows. And by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warrior are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire, those were, who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne children, but she who has many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes and he has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. Wow, right? But it really kind of ties in with all that she was believing about God, doesn't it? She talks about this victory, right? This victory is huge. She talks about this hope. When you think about hope, Hope is huge. In Psalm 25, David writes about hope. He says, in you, Lord, I put my trust. In you, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come to those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Hannah shows us what it means to put our hope in the Lord. And she walked away, and her whole countenance changed when she had a renewed sense of of hope. Now, a lot of you know that my other job is a counselor, and with that, I deal with people who come to me a lot that are hopeless. And what I get to see time and time again is the difference that hope can make. One of the things that when you deal with people who are suicidal, the number one way you figure out how serious they are is you figure out how much hope they have. And if you want to help them move out of it, you help them find hope. Hope is that powerful. And it's funny, even a lot of theories in psychology with people that are trying really hard to convince everybody that 
they don't need God, kind of put hope at the center of their theories. And the problem is they put hope there, but then they don't have the giver of hope to share with someone, and they miss out on where that hope comes from. But the good news is, for all of us in here, our hope is in the Lord. Our hope comes from God. Does that mean that we're not going to have a 10-year struggle in our life? Or what even might have been a 19-year struggle in life? No. But it means that in that struggle, God is going to meet us there. And that our hope needs to be in Him the whole time through. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith and hope are so tied together. And when you look at Hannah's response, when you look at what Hannah was praying afterwards, she kept talking about who God is and how that relates to how she had hope, right? Talks about the power of God. Now, one of the hard things is, is that when we look at how powerful God is, sometimes his answer is no for stuff that we want. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. But that, that same thing about how big and powerful God is, is like, well, who am I to really question that, right? Sometimes God has a plan that I don't like. But sometimes all he's looking for from me is willingness to still believe in who he is. Because the things that he does for me doesn't necessarily change who he is. Hannah struggled for a very long time. And she didn't give up on who God was. So wherever you are in your walk and whatever you're struggling with, God says, don't give up on who I am. That's good news because that means I don't have to go bargain. I don't have to like be good enough. I just need to rest in who God is. Now, with this, so Hannah had a baby right after this. His name was Samuel. And Samuel did exactly, I mean, Hannah did exactly what she told God he would do. She took Samuel, took him to Eli, and said, I'm dedicating him to the Lord. Well, 
God did a lot through Samuel. You see, at the time that the priesthood was really struggling and Eli's sons couldn't carry on, Samuel came in. Samuel reminded the people of who God was. Samuel carried the priesthood through a time when the people decided they wanted a king, when God said, you don't want a king. They said, yes, we want a king, and he gave them Saul. And Samuel carried Israel through a very difficult time for Israel. And he did that because of the faithfulness of Hannah. But then Hannah had other kids after that, right? Later on, it says that she had five other kids. So God used her. God used her faithfulness. God honored her faithfulness. Even when society was saying she didn't have a lot of value, God saw her value. It was great she had a husband that saw her value. So when we look at this, some important lessons from Hannah. In her prayer, she rejoices and she declares victory. But we have to, <clears throat> we have to look at the fact that Hannah did not attack she did not attack even though she was being attacked when we look at Romans chapter 12 it says do not repay anyone evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Year after year after year after year, Hannah did not retaliate. She left things up to God. Now that's a tall order, isn't it? That can be difficult. That can be hard. But God will bless that. Hannah knew that the Lord has the power to change things. Let me say that again. Hannah knew that the Lord has the power to change things. She didn't give up on that belief even though she waited year after year 
after year. She still knew, even in that last year, that the Lord has the power to change things. So I ask you, how is your faith in that? How are you doing in your belief that whatever you're bringing to God, He has the power to change? So then that begs the question, what is it that I need to petition God to change? What do I need to go before God and ask? Sometimes you hear stories about people who come to know Christ. And I, I've had about three that just stand out to me that they always say, well, my mom or my grandma has been praying for me for like 19, 20, 22 years. And I'm just like, ah, yes. God may put someone on your heart that you need to petition him for for a long time. God may put some other desire on your heart that you know is from him and you haven't seen come to pass yet but he says don't give up if God is telling you that's something that you need to pursue then be faithful and pursue it don't give up so when you think about God and your life, what lessons do you glean from the story of Hannah? Think about what he wants you to do. And the worship team is going to come back up. We're going to... Well, we're changing things a little bit. Apparently, the worship team is not going to come back up. That's why I have a whole group of people in the back waving at me. Okay. So, when you think about what God is telling you, you may want to pray. We're going to have people over here that can pray with you and that can join you in your petitions and that can help you with that, right? But remember 